And now, the Andy Greenwald Podcast. Andy, Andy. Hello and welcome to the Grandland Network. My name is Andy Greenwald. Exciting day here in the New York studio because I am joined by the stars of one of my very favorite television shows, the Sundance TV drama Rectify, which returns for a third season on July 9th. Aiden Young, Abigail Spencer, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So excited to have you guys here. Right before we started airing, we were talking about the three amigos and mm-hmm. death. And so I, I have high hopes for where we're yes, going to go from here. Yeah, all up from here. <laughs> yes. It's an open book. <laughs> this could go anywhere. Um, I'm very eager to talk to you guys about the two seasons of Rectify that are in the books and as well as the third season that's about to start. Um, but I did want to ask you at the beginning, I believe you guys were at the, the Peabody Awards last night oh, here in New York City. Can you mm-hmm. tell? Do we look tired? <laughs> we feel tired. You, you we look erudite. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like this must have been a great experience because a lot of award shows, you know, it's, there's politics and some of the choices aren't really that great. But yeah. Peabody's, and I have no connection to the institution, this was stellar. Every show that was award, that was uh, rewarded, awarded last night yeah. mm-hmm. is worthy. Yeah, I mean, you go winning. Everyone's yeah. a winner. That's right. You know you, you win there. going in, yeah. which helps, so, right? Which yeah. is great. So everyone's in a great mood. And it's a unanimous vote. And it's spectacular. Yeah. You know, the, the, the quality of the work that they've <sighs> managed to find. I yeah. guess because it's a unanimous vote, the, the quality has to be stellar. And... Mm-hmm. and, and you know, when they drag you up to go backstage at the green room to get ready to go, it's like, oh, come on, I want to watch what's coming up. Yeah. You know, because for me, it was an eye opener. Almost mm-hmm. every single, well, every single thing that I saw be awarded something was, oh, my Lord, I hadn't mm-hmm. seen, I've got I've to look at that. I've got to, you know, mm-hmm. I want to get involved with that. And, you know, to miss out on that, talking about your own shows, like, oh, come on, can, can I send my clone up? <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, luckily, there's there, there's nothing else being awarded outside of this office, outside of the studio no. right now. You're not missing anything. No. Talk about your show. If there's yeah. an award show, we got to be there. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> we love or award shows. Or it doesn't shows. happen. You, just, yeah. you love just being up there thanking people yeah. for yeah, something. Yeah, because it's happened I mean, a lot for Rectify. That's Clearly, right. like, we have millions of viewers, so many awards we're passing them by. But, you know, <laughs> after 25 years in the business of being an actor, actor and a yeah. filmmaker and yeah. what have you, you know, you've had to sit through, I guess, about 25 years of award shows, yeah. you know, to scale. Yes. You know, and very rarely is any moment in the night interesting, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. Um, no and so last night was, <laughs> to everyone. was spectacular. To everyone you know, spectacular. <laughs> is it is, is it a classy affair? Was it? It's it's extremely classy. And, I and did my best not to make it one. Before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he tried real hard, yeah. but we we made up for him. Uh, last year, this was the first year that it was a dinner, and oh. it was in the evening. They've always been a lunch, and it's always been during the work week. So oh. they really stepped it up. And Fred Armisen hosted, oh, nice. and it's going to be on Pivot. So you know, lots of people will watch exactly. <laughs> I, I like the idea of yeah. Sundance TV bagging on Pivot and Pivot yeah, yeah, bagging yeah, yeah, yeah. on like all, all these great new networks that have really serious quality. I'm not bagging yeah, on either, yeah, but like, there is a hierarchy. It's that like, is yeah. so funny. Step off Pivot. That's We've really been here cute. for sixes of years. That's you know? I've watched Pivot because I watched uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas's show yeah. on uh, on Pivot before, so I knew what it was. But you know, it was a different experience for them. And, and talking to all the board members, they were really excited and nervous about okay, we're gonna yeah. because because the caliber. Of, of what we deliver through the award show and what we show, more people need to be seeing this. I mean, it was an education for us. Like, it to, be, to yeah. be wedged between Amy Schumer and then MSNBC's reporting on ISIS yeah. and then our show and then John Oliver. You know, it's like the range is, is phenomenal. It's spectacular. So, yeah, yeah, it was, it was yeah. amazing. Um, 
from last night, if you don't mind, I'd like to rewind all the way back to the beginning because I'm very curious about um, how you both got involved in the show. Um, mainly because I know that, that, that Ray McKinnon who created it went through sort of a... I mean, there are many... Most development processes are long and sort of torturous in Hollywood. I know that Rectify was initially announced in 2008. It didn't actually happen until 2011. Um, Thank goodness. I'm, well, right, Correct. because now it worked yeah. out. Um, uh, three more years, it would have been Pivot, you know. <laughs> you you got it, it, it hit the sweet spot. Um, no, but uh, I'm curious about how he sort of sold you on his vision for the show, because... The show is one of, my, as I said, one of my favorites. It is haunting and dreamlike, and it really—you you don't really watch it so much as you sink into it. And so much of that is about the sum total of the show. It's your your wonderful performances. It's the incredible direction. It's where the show is shot. So when all that exists is the pilot script, which is you know his language is wonderful, but it's Spartan. It's not necessarily very flowery. Mm-hmm. How does he tell an actor, trust me on this? This is what this is going to be based on this pile of, of well. Pages. Strangely enough, the, the the script itself, you know, it's it's first off, it's rare to get a script that you you look at the big print, you know, the action. Uh, dialogue as opposed to the character dialogue right. and, you, and and you you feel something from that you know a lot of it's angle on cut to dissolve right. to we follow you know and and rectify read more like a poem hmm. you know with that 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 action script read like a like almost a guide to the atmosphere that ray wanted to to Explore with the characters, and so that was very exciting. And then you have, of course, the characters' yeah. interactions, which, you know, he had a he has a very wonderful gift of, of having characters interact and say things, and of course that's not what they mean. You know, that, that's not yes. actually what's being communicated between the characters, and 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 so for me it, it was a no brainer as far as, you know. I could see what where Ray was going. You know, of course, I turned up on the day to shoot it. And you know, my instinct was completely and utterly wrong. But you know, <laughs> really, how so? But you know that 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 stage is 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 what we love. You know, that exploration. You know, to find what it is that Ray's looking for. And, right. And Ray's on that journey as well. You know, sometimes we'll loop right around back to, you know, the first take. I, you know? I, I loved it in his uh, post-season two interview he did with, with Alan Sepinwall. I think he admitted that he had no idea what he was going to do next, yeah. which I really appreciated yeah. because he could. most creators can talk a good game, but there really there has to be some element of the subconscious in this. You have to sort of let the story lead you. I think some of the most powerful words that we use on set is, I don't know, and I don't know what I'm about to do. And that's, I think, when you have the confidence to walk into a moment with a group of artists and say, I don't know, and do it anyway – then you're really on to something because yeah. you're not controlling it. You know, you're not ahead of it. It's teaching you what it wants to be, which is really mm-hmm. exhilarating and scary and emotional and maddening and wonderful and satisfying. So all those very things. Organic, very you know, organic. As as you discover, you know, you are having to go down that path. You're not saying, oh, we found that. Okay, good. We'll add that to this. And let's yeah. just keep doing you that. Know? Yeah, you found it. Just yeah. Yeah. This, it you that know. doesn't exist on our show because there isn't an it. It's like that was really interesting. Let's go deeper. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, that I could have used that as a review of the show itself. I mean, mm-hmm. that is what the experience of watching it feels like. But again, I, it, cool. it's it's remarkable that it's that, that, that both Ray and the actors are able to be so to trusting in that moment, you know, mm-hmm. because I feel like uh, Aiden, as you suggested, that the script has he writes the text, but he allows you to find the subtext that mm-hmm. exists between the words. 
mm-hmm. for a writer, let alone a writer who's making a television show, that's a that's a pretty crazy making uh, sacrifice of control mm-hmm. and trust. Well, it's also a very difficult thing to do, you know, yeah. just creatively. Sure, I mean, he's he's he's. He has a wonderful gift for that. And, you know, when I write, you know, I find myself going, well, I've just written a scene that, you know, means absolutely nothing because every character is saying exactly what they need to happen. And, you know, and, it, Surface. and when you hear it, you know, read back, you go, well, that's ridiculous. You know, people don't talk that way, you know. And uh, But with Ray, you always, you always think that, you know, uh, there's got to be something beyond this. There's got to be something beyond this. And, you know, if you can get there and the constraints of, mm. you know, shooting 9 to 11 minutes a day, um, if you can really hit that core, then you've got something special. Well, Aiden, you said that your instincts were wrong initially. I'd like to come back to that. But, Abigail, when you found – when you, you read Amantha on the page, you, you met with Ray, did you know this character immediately or yes. did it take you some time? And, and Well, tell me why that was. No. <laughs> Um, well, I was in an interesting moment in my life because I had already done Mad Men mm-hmm. and been very spoiled by that experience because I got a taste of what it's like to work with one singular vision yeah. and every single person that is a part of that project serving that vision. They're all, they've all bought in on that show. Everyone, they what they everyone were is. And, and so I came off that experience and really was doing a lot more film at mm-hmm. the time. So I had the good fortune of working with a lot of great feature directors and playing some interesting characters there. So I had a pretty stringent checklist of what I was uh, interested in doing on television. Mm -hmm. And it had to be one person's singular vision. It had to be a cable network that was willing to support that vision and not interfere with the process. It had to be a character that I would be willing to play for the next seven years of my life. Yes, that's a big one. You Mm -hmm. know, and especially as artists, and we're all a little bit, you know, kooky about that. You can't, you can't pin us down, you know, Mm -hmm. and... That was something I felt really strongly about, so I knew it had to be someone compelling enough that I could keep coming back to her and also keep exploring, and it wouldn't get mundane or, or over o- oversimplified. Um, so that's a that's a tough, you know, yeah. checker box. And um, Rectify came to me through a fellow actor, a longtime friend of mine named Andrew Leeds, who wanted to play John Stern. He was trying to get in for, and I'm like listening to him talk about this new Sundance, their first scripted endeavor, mm-hmm. and, and and I was like, yeah, 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 you want to play John Stern? I was like, is there a role for me in that? <laughs> yeah, 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 narcissist, narcissist. Yeah, good, 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 good. Actor, good. actor, actor. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, my come line, on. my line, my line. Yeah, right, right. Actor chat, sure. Actor chat. And he, and he, he was like, no, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> right, and and I was like, "Come on! Like, there's not a role yeah. for someone between the ages of 25 to 35 that's female. Come yeah. on, on television." And uh, he was like, "Well, there is the role of the sister, mm-hmm. but you're too pretty to play her." And I was like, "Shut the front door! I'm calling my agent right now." <laughs> so I did. I called yeah. my um. My then agent, who's wonderful, Craig Shapiro at ICM, and I said, "What's Rectify?" And he's like, "It's the best script of the year." And I'm like, "Well, why haven't you sent it to me?" And he's like, "Well, you're, you know, you're not really doing a lot of television right now." And I'm like, "Well, I'm not doing bad television right yeah. now, so send it to me right now." And he did. And five minutes later, I, I was already in. I was in. I I was five pages in, and I just when I. Read Amantha, I just I I heard the way she sounded. I'm from a small southern town, but Amantha does not have my southern accent, 
and I, I heard the way she sounded. I heard the way she walked. I, I felt you heard the way she walked. Yeah, she had a real heavy walk. That's interesting. Yeah, that you know? is interesting. And okay. I just I felt her pain. Yeah, I felt it immediately, and then I went back to the cover page, and I thought, I was like Ray McKinnon because I didn't know Ray. I'm like, did we go to high school together, or did we grow up together? I thought I, I thought maybe that we had known each other because mm-hmm. there was this such this singular counterculture view of life that I responded to, but was why I averted Southern stories because I felt like they were. I'm um, usually pretty arch and caricature and not my experience. Also very judgmental often. F- filmed from a great distance from, from one of our coastal elite cities that yeah. I happily inhabit, but, mm-hmm. but, but without any present or truth. What, yeah. And, I mean, that had crossed my path. Not yeah. that those stories have not existed. No, but it's have, often that way. Often, yeah. It's, it's always the easier way out, yeah. I find. And so then the, the journey from there was just getting meeting with Ray and how was I going to convince him and Mark Johnson, who luckily I had worked with before, right. um, that I was indeed Amantha. <laughs> that was the whole thing. Like, how do I get mm-hmm. them? How do I get them to say it? You know, like, uh, and uh, it was interesting. I, I got to pick my own um, scenes mm-hmm. to read for him, and I chose the scene where uh, in in episode one, where Daniel's newly released in um, Amantha. It's all, I did. I, I strung together the entire drive, like the dialogue. Mm-hmm. From the drive leading up with John Stern with the senator and then all the way into when she sees Daniel free for the first mm-hmm. time. I chose that whole movement. I strung it all together. Oh, wow. And that was my first scene. And then the second scene I did was the scene with Daniel and Amantha in the car after he's been released and they're driving around talking mm-hmm. about going to the Target and like seeing the oh, town yeah. for the first time. And Because yeah. I felt like that scene held the humor of the show that yeah. a lot of people, honestly, unless her hands could miss. I mean, Ray McKinnon is deeply funny yeah deeply funny person and I think that's why it works and I wanted to make sure that because the first scene was the emotion and the mm-hmm. rage and the and the turmoil and the confusion and that second scene was really the little girl the brother sister the you know the the lightness of being the joy of him mm-hmm. being free and then the utter despair of that so much has changed in the past 20 years of his life so those are the two scenes that I did and um I don't know, just something happened in the room when I met Ray and I left and I was like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, you know, I don't know. Did they, did they see it? Did they see it? And Ray just told me last night, he was like, he was like, when you walked in. He heard the way you walked. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> he was like, I had to keep a straight fit because you were, you were Amantha yeah. when you wow. walked in. That I had to keep it together because I knew if I showed you how much you were Amantha, yeah. you would get too expensive for me to cast you. <laughs> right, right. Because then I, he's smart. like, I would have yeah. no negotiating yeah. power. Stone but I didn't know that at all. Yeah. So it's so amazing to me how mm. people, two artists can have the same feeling from two totally things and not even communicate about that and just feel mm-hmm. it. And, and the same thing, you, your experience was really interesting how you came to the mm. show. But when I saw Aiden for the first time, yeah. when I saw his screen test, I got to see it before I met him. I just, it was like relief because I was like, that, that's, that he's Daniel, you know, it was, it was amazing. All of it, all of it has been such an act of trust and mm. faith. And just knowing that the material would call the people to to the show that that we're supposed to be a part of it. One of my favorite aspects of the show is the way that it focuses on a relationship that I feel is often underserved on TV or movies or anything, which is a brother sister relationship. Yeah. And I say that as an only child who is just fascinated by all the potential <laughs> oh, of this kind of relationship. Oh, wow. But often when I look at the, the the sort of explosive energy of Amantha and the complete 
stillness of Daniel, you, it's possible to think of them as if only they could be one person. You know, they each have the aspects of the other one is lacking. And so the, the, the opportunity to see the two of you play off of each other is really... Is really something. Well, I think you know they they share the same genes. Yeah. You know, they just choose to amplify you know right. different aspects of mm. of those genetics and and you know the, the, they are twins to a degree. You know? Yeah. But they're certainly not identical. No, <laughs> they're not. Um, I don't. What would you think? I kind of feel like Daniel and Amantha, like what you're saying, hold that fifty fifty energy of Ray. You know, like I feel like Amantha and Daniel together kind of make up a lot of who Ray is like he gets out this one version of himself yeah. and then this other version because I feel playing Amantha around you when we are in those scenes being perfectly still as Amantha I feel very loud yeah it's a, mm-hmm. you know what I mean like even we could just be standing there and I feel so loud and mm-hmm. I'm like I'm just standing there and I'm not saying anything you know and but it's just that energy it's just that natural energy yeah, between the characters you know I mean, Ray's an interesting chap, you know, because he's, here's a guy who, he wants to make this show years ago, and he wants his friend to play Daniel. The show, for whatever reason, doesn't get picked up. It wasn't the right time to make Rectify, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and suddenly Sundance comes along and says, we want to make the show, and we need to find a Daniel, and he couldn't find Daniel anywhere. And, Nowhere. And yeah, he it was, began... It was a global scary. search, right? Well, he began the idea of thinking, well, maybe he had to play it. Yeah. You know, and, and when I came along and, and, and you know, uh, he cast me in the role, he was, in part of him, was unwilling to relinquish yeah. Daniel. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm picturing to, the coach on the sidelines wearing the basketball jersey yeah. underneath, just ready to yeah, it's, it's, like, I'm ready. Yeah, exactly. You need me? It's, it's almost, I could do it. It's almost the, 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 like the school it. teacher. Yeah, here. It's the school teacher in the high school play <laughs> mouthing everyone's oh lines. You know, and, and, and to a certain degree, it took, it took Ray... And it still does, you know. Uh, unfortunately, we're we're restricted by the framing, but I could show you how he walks around and, and does Daniel and does this and yeah. does his looks and you know. And it's funny because he's trying to figure out Ray's an incredible Daniel actor. from the inside, yeah. yeah he, as opposed he feels to, it through his you know. body, you know. So, what was that process like for you, Aiden, as an actor, um, getting to know a character that? Well, it's a two-part question all of a sudden because of what you just said. A character who the creator of that character seems to know quite well. Yeah. But secondly, the character, at least in my eyes, is kind of a stranger to himself. And that's one of the things that defines him. He's he's unsure mm-hmm. of what he is or what he can be in the world that he is released into. I feel like that would present a unique set of challenges for an mm-hmm. actor. Well, I, I, unfortunately, there's a great deal of actors who believe that there is such a thing as character. You know, uh, right. to me, there isn't. There, you know, character is 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 made up of you know how we uh, observe how the light you know reflects off their actions. You know, mm-hmm. and and that becomes our interpretation of of that person and and who they are and what they mean to other people. And you know, and we're all very different with different people. You know, and and. What was great about Daniel was that you could see not only the difference between his characteristics mm-hmm. on death row. Um, in, in the flashbacks. Yeah, on yeah. the flashbacks. You got to see a certain side of him there. You got to see a certain side of him with Amantha. And as the series progresses, you see the different elements that he brings to the forefront when dealing with different characters. Yes. You know, or different people. Um, and that was really exciting to me. You know, and Ray had done a great job of writing that, but it was... In, in in finding it, you know, I was intrigued by the idea that here was a guy who spent 20 years in a box, who's who's sent back to Earth, and and 
you know, the the earth isn't the same. Mm -hmm. The earth was destroyed for this family nearly 20 years ago when when he was arrested and you know for the for the murder and rape of his childhood sweetheart and and they have been putting together these fragments trying to rebuild this yes. family out of all these shards and along he comes again and he smashes he lands right in the middle of this yep. you know beautiful mosaic that they call you know family and they cobble together it's very fragile but it's, it's broken working. again it's, it's, you know and and they have to deal with that all of a sudden and and you know, I was intrigued by this character who we first meet as this almost enlightened spirit on death row who's had this time, almost a, a, a zen-like time of finding a, a oneness with life and death. Mm -hmm. But I, I was more intrigued by how would a man get to that point? What has happened mm -hmm. before then? Mm -hmm. Because that wasn't in the pilot. I was interested to know what was that experience in hell about mm -hmm. you know and then we hit season two and we get began to to really explore what it meant to to daniel to be confined you know this this man who was always you know anti-authority and anti-establishment suddenly confined to this you know conveyor belt you know of doom and and we went so far that you know the network even had to call us and say I know it was a great scene but we can't show that it went wow. too far, mm -hmm. you know I did a take oh, for uh, eleven minutes, you know and I just said I can only do this once I want to you know because we're, we're going to show you hell, yeah. but I'm going to do it once and once only because you can't come back from that sort of place very quickly you can't just somebody comes in with a little brush and off you go again you know. Um, so and it's interesting in that same breath is how to explore the range and then use restraint, whether in performance or editing. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes what we do, only like a sliver comes out of it, mm -hmm. but you have to explore that range for that one sliver to be totally honest and mm -hmm. totally truthful. And it was a scene in which we could be, you know, malleable with the cutting. So mm -hmm. so it didn't need to be necessarily a time continuance right. to it. Right. You know, it could it could move around a bit more like a, you know, Lars von Trier, you mm -hmm. know, uh, rhythm. Which is not a rhythm I often talk about in television. No, so no. <laughs> which but, is another but, reason you know, why I appreciate it, the show. Because it's a fragmented by the trauma associated yeah. with it. It works. The language of that sort mm -hmm. of cutting style could work there. And, and we all agreed on it. But, of course, you know, we went too far. We showed the reality of it. Yeah. And the reality of it, unfortunately, is not television. Mm -hmm. The reality of it is almost, it's too shocking. Right. And so we had to take that out. But at least I had the experience of that. Yeah, you know. and, and again, you, you have to, 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 to define where the frame is. You have to go outside of it and find right. out where the... Mm -hmm. Well, you know, by having the memory of been, being there, yeah. I could take that to the next scene the next day, which was, you know, wandering around Polly. But it's part of you. You know, know but then it was, yeah. it was already part of me. That, mm -hmm. that the horror associated with, with the lead-up, the preparation to play that scene, you know, I had... I'd created a, a soundscape that I wanted to listen to during the shooting of it because to me, you know, there didn't necessarily be need to be too much vocalization and, you know, they could mm -hmm. fully certain effects. And um, so I was listening to a, a, a montage of poetry and, and madness, you know, preachers screaming about, you know, capital punishment and mm -hmm. those who murder shall be murdered and, you know, and music that, that really reached the... the the core of me so that my truth could be brought to that fiction you know mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. and so to take 
the next scene where you're wandering into a store or whatever, it's there, yeah. and you can't deny it. You know. Yeah. And, and it's interesting to counterpoint um, Daniel's experience both in the present and in the past with what Amantha has done with a confinement of her own. I mean, willingly, <laughs> although I think psychologically that's tough for her to swallow, the, the character has bound herself to her brother, to her family, and to this town. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me often how, you know, psychologists will tell you that that uh, anger can bind you to something as tightly as love. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this and the fact that Amantha will not leave this town yeah. when everything about who she is says she needs to get out. She's yeah. she's hated her whole life, but yet she's still there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you, you both have to be prisoners of a different type. Well, she's got a very large anchor, you know, which is Daniel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, she, can't, she can't raise it. That's true. Well, let's all just yeah. say it. She's codependent. She's a little codependent. <laughs> she's codependent. Yeah, right. Classic codependent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's been... Uh, you know, part of her journey and, you know, we were just kind of remembering that from season one to now the end of season three, which we wrapped a little over a month ago, only six weeks have passed by in the lives of these characters. That's amazing to think about, yeah. So yeah. if you think about how uh, intense an event is and within that first six weeks and how full it is and how little people actually change, even though you can start to see the yeah. the tear you know, um, that's that's where Amantha is. I mean, she's not in full change, but she's just waking up to mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh, like, who am I without Daniel and who do I want to be? And realizing that um, I think this kind of heroic, beautiful thing that she did with her life, um, that Daniel has a choice, you know, he's got a. He's got a choice, and he's he's got to make his own decisions. And letting go of the baby, yeah, like birthing the baby, and the baby being like twenty years in, and then having to let go, it's yeah, very painful. And so she's making a lot of interesting decisions as she walks through that, you know, freedom. You know, that's it's it's it was interesting on the way here talking about that six week period. You know, mm-hmm. so much has happened. Yeah, but it's that as you said, you called it the tear. But for me, it's 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 like. The, the family's standing behind the wall of a giant aquarium, and somebody's hit it with an ice pick. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you can see the the you know the talons of it, you know, the, just starting to cross through the glass, oh. and, and and you're waiting the, for the flood. You know, you know it's coming. There's you know a it's there's a scene in the um in the season premiere, season three, season premiere, and, and we're we're recording this in beginning of June, but we'll air this right before it uh, premieres in July. Um, there's a scene that I was just so struck by and it's a scene where um where where teddy comes into the dinner that that daniel's having with with ted senior and with mm-hmm. his mother over the the barbecue that she insists he, he loves and uh he you know very politely says he's never had it before mm-hmm. and the scene was in many ways was as just as intense and fraught as the uh excuse me for saying this but the ice zombie battle i watched on game of thrones last night you know, <laughs> which was a lot more obviously a lot more explicit right but this was amazing to see this what what rectify is capable of doing with just a few you know emotional strokes because the, you know the, these combatants were completely polite with each other yeah. they, they didn't have warring ideologies no one ever raised a voice but mm. Everyone had a distinct memory and a distinct point of view that was true to who they were, you know, from, from, from Daniel's mother, Daniel's stepfather. Everyone in there had their own memory of how things are and how they should be. And it was well, little, it's no the, different to Game of Thrones, really, is it? When you, when you, when you I'm take excited the what you're going to say now. Well, when you take the people as continents. 
That's right. Know. That's right. If you just assume, you, you know, you know that somebody's <laughs> got to go over the wall, or somebody's, right. you know, wants this, or the dragons are coming from the other side of the earth to retake, or that'll be season know. nineteen of Rectify when the dragons finally get there. But, but the, the fantastical things aren't they just dragons and walls and yeah. you know fantasy? It, aren't they all amal- amalgamations of the human condition? Like, aren't we just looking for metaphors I, of what we feel I hope between so. people? Yeah, in the you know, science fiction in the simple know. having a dinner with your family. I think I, I think that's definitely what it should be. And yeah. I feel like it was just, it, it was remarkable to see how it can be done in both ways. You know, you can mm. use the big brush strokes or you can use the pointillist style, but Rectify was able, is able to do that, you know, in a very subtle way that's rare for TV. And you have to, you know, getting back to that six week period, you know, you really have to remind people throughout the course of, of shooting that that is the case, you know, yeah. even though you, you don't want to over remind them, you know, because they might go, well, I don't know why he did that. Because I watched that a year ago, yeah, or you know, two years ago, yeah, or what have you. But you know, for example, there was a, there was a scene where I was, you know, in season three, I jumped out of a, a, a pickup truck at one point, yeah. and as I jumped out of the truck, I did a take of it, and I thought, gee, that was agile. <laughs> Didn't I just get beaten up about? Yeah, well, that's, that's TV logic. Yeah. yeah, I broke a few ribs and was in a coma. I better do that again. Yeah. You know, and did it again and didn't tell anyone. And, of course, everyone went, Aiden's hurt himself. Yeah. You know, what's he doing? He's hurt himself. And they they cut. And I said, no, no, no. That's the ribs. I forgot I had the the rib problem. You're carrying that. And, And... and it was like, oh, do we or don't we remind them of that? I don't See, but this know. is why the smartest thing that, that Ray's ever done with the show is, is make a kitchen renovation a key running storyline because actually we have physical evidence of how so much true. time has passed. Yeah, and, so I, you know, it's easy to make a joke about that, that, that Rectify has a dramatic plot line about a kitchen renovation. Yeah. But Rectify has a dramatic plot line about a kitchen renovation, and it's very dramatic. And isn't it very dramatic in your yes. own life? Like, renovations well, tear people apart, that's people right. get divorced over there. Yeah, HG, HGTV only tells half the story. Right. Everything's happy there with the Property Brothers. But what goes on with their dinner table <laughs> yeah, with yeah. their barbecue? And I mean, it's, a, it's an extraordinary tool to see, you know, to see how people stand with each other. You know, who's the one building it? Who's the one... Yeah. You know, suddenly in charge of it. Who's mm-hmm. the one? You know, it's still there in season yeah. three. It's still there. We're still working on yeah. that kitchen, yeah. and it's a, a big deal. A lot of wood oh sanding. You know? so in, uh, in season three, when Amantha sees that the kitchen is still, <laughs> she's just like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen the show, you know, to be sitting here talking about a kitchen renovation, right. they must think we're ridiculous people. But this, you know. this is the line that the show walks. If yeah. you describe it in the most vague terms, mm. I could understand someone rolling their eyes. But when you watch it, it is, it is not that. It, yeah. is, it is engaging and gripping and, and, and secretly funny, which I appreciate. Right. I think um, I think that is the the key. I mean, Mad Men was really funny too. I yes. mean, we would we would be howling at the table raids just because the the humor yeah. lays throughout and the you know the wit was so deep. It was great. But this is actually something I wanted to ask about with Rectify, which is we, we, we talked briefly before we started rolling about your, you know, all training with the same trainer in the small town <laughs> where you film. I, I, I did want to know about what kind of set it is. You're removed from society. Made, from society. You're far <laughs> out. Tell me where you are. Tell me what it's like. And then finally, mm-hmm. are there blooper reels for Rectify? Yeah. Well, we there, had one there's, in there's season there's two. There's really <laughs> season two where I'm in the coma looking oh at her while God. she's performing. I'm <laughs> <laughs> she had no idea. <laughs> I, I just thought, oh my, it was <laughs> so funny. He was sister. like this, and then he was like, 
It was so funny. And then I got stung by a red wasp mm. in season two during a scene, but it was during episode seven when Amantha got high. So everyone just thought that I was like, wow, she's really committed to yeah. that high thing. And I'm like, I can't feel my leg. And they're just rolling, and I'm like like on the ground. Oh, they just thought I was playing high. But we also have a director who's you know come back for from season one done season two yeah. again and he always says okay what are we going to do for the blooper reel yeah. well for the for the for the uncut you know? oh yeah oh really? okay. you know and i i always I, i've killed about four members of my family you know? <laughs> <laughs> this is wonderful you in know? your in your other version in the he other does version a whole yeah. rectify after like, hours yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah 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 just somebody turns around and <laughs> he is a he murderer, did, he, after all. He does the secret he, truth. Purposely, purposely, yeah. whenever he comes, he, like uh, with like mm-hmm. farts laced throughout, sure. and yeah. like laced is a polite amazing. word. Yeah, <laughs> get doily um, lacing those farts. Yeah, mm. just just weaving them. What, uh, so the name it's, the name of the town is is Griffin. Is that what you said? Griffin, yeah, Georgia, yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, Griffin is. Um, we were Ray. We were talking about last night. We really are more like a theater troupe. It's like okay, we're going to go do rectify and go live in Griffin yeah. for three or four months however long we you know how many episodes we have and we're together every day and we eat together every day and we hang out all the time and we go to work and then we go to the local bar bank street cafe Mm. and talk about the day's work and we've got ron the trainer and we've got the kroger and we've got safe house which is really good coffee we have one good coffee place and and that's what we do. I mean, that is the the life it's is very circuit, simple. You know, yeah. Yeah. I stay out of the gym, but apart from that. <laughs> you're the you're the outcast from that. Mm-hmm. Oh. But that's helping them develop the chemistry they had when you were in prison, right? Like, but with yeah. a trainer. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's the you're the outsider. outsider. You want no part of that. Yeah, yeah. I get to do mysterious things while they're at the gym. <laughs> I work on my enigma. It's you know, it helps with the structure because you have so much. I have so much more time when yeah. I'm shooting the show. Actually, I've a lot of structure when I when I'm in LA or when I go to New York or when I'm out of town it's much more zany you know and I actually find our life we know we have to go to set and we know we're going to be working and so you just look for those little things that help you give you some sort of schedule well and it, and it adds just immeasurably to the show I mean just the, the tiniest details that yeah. that that you know might be overlooked in a, in a busy set or you know something in a sound stage they're just there in every every frame of the show and every, and it makes it feel that much more lived in and considered and we all still like each other that's amazing that was that was i had that one here yeah i mean i you gotta always gotta yeah yeah, i i will say it's i was really looking forward to seeing everyone this year i really missed everybody and it felt like coming home and you know it's it's so interesting for me rectify came into my life at a time where a lot of my my real family was falling apart and i I think i was really looking for a family Mm -hmm. and as dysfunctional as (laughs) this family may be on and off screen i really i really needed a family and it it showed up for me it's incredible you know when you when you look at the reality and you're faced with the reality of some somebody handing you a contract and saying you're going to spend seven years with strangers yeah you know and going well all right now i don't quite know who these people are and you know, I like the work, but anything could happen here, yeah. and there's no way out. Yeah. yeah, you know. So, and I remember I was handed that contract. I was in Bangkok, and it was pretty much, you if you don't sign this before you get on the plane to go to the audition yeah. to meet Ray McKinnon, yeah. you can't do it. it 
Mo- and, and movies so, have taught me it's rarely a good idea to sign a contract in Bangkok. Like that's just that's just a plot line that I feel like <laughs> yeah, usually leads yeah. to losing a kidney, I not know. getting painful work. I know, but you know, I'm, I'm, well, he's still kicking. He's still myself. kicking. You only need one, right? So the kidney was just a small price to pay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I did want to. Uh, we should wrap up in a moment, but I did want to ask you briefly about season three. Um, I never want less of my favorite shows, but I have to say, I, the return to six episodes. I was curious what you how you felt about that because. In a way, I, I think it suits the show better in terms of the rhythm. I hope it doesn't mean. I hope it means we'll get seasons four or five. I hope you're busy for seven years. Right. That's but true. This, yeah. but as you said, you know, the show has only taken up six weeks of time, and the show is such a languorous, specific feeling mm. that I think the six hours suit it more. I don't know. That that just might be the critics' point of view. Well, it was a decision that Ray made because you know he is such a solitary force behind the show yeah. that that not only is he there for every <clears> scene that we shoot. You know, he's. I mean, he's there on every single take, every single angle. Yeah, before we get there, Um, every script is. You know, if not, he's. If he hasn't written it, he's. He's You know, he's retouched it. You know, he rectifies every script (laughs) that comes through, or, you know, and he's working on that. And then, you know, two two episodes in on on season two, he's starting to cut. Yeah, you know, so there can only be enough of one person. You know, and and and. When he got to the end of editing, you know, episode ten, right. he'd realized he'd worked for nine months without. I think he had one day off. Yeah, one day off in that it's, period. It's you know, I mean, you I'm not talking about weekend. On the, yeah. one day. Yeah. I think it was July the fourth, and uh, and he said it 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 will kill me. Yeah. you know, I can't do that again. And I don't think you can keep up the level and the sophistication and uh, what we're going for on the show. I don't think you can keep that level over a sustained period of time. I don't Mm -hmm. believe in that. I think that you can only do it at the level you want to do, which is hopefully um, excellent on some level. I think you can only sustain that for so long. I mean, it nearly killed me, too. I mean, it's, it's it's a character you you play. People ask, what's it like to play Daniel? And I say... Well, it's hard because I have to go out to the guest house, introduce myself to him again because I won't let him into the house, right? Yeah. You know, and we talk a little bit and, you know, and then we start taking daily strolls and then I'm going over there for dinner until finally I've moved in. And then when it finishes, you know, I take my bag, I pack it up and I walk out of the guest house and we wave goodbye, but he keeps knocking on the front door. Yeah. And, you know, and and you're, because you have to, you have to bring us so much truth to this story because this this story is about what happens to people you know when when a crime like this has been committed not only to the victims but to the families of the incarcerated you know and it's a very controversial t- subject and, and it is happening yes. you know and and so to it's to a, not it's a, it's a, you know measure your fiction against that truth would be you know a sin because these are real people's lives you're playing with. Rectify you know? begins in a place where most traditional TV shows would end with right. a triumphant release, and then it, and it, it, its sole purpose for existing seems to be to deal with messiness and, mm. and emotional truth in ways that is. I mean, I think I think I think it's fantastic and entertaining, and yes, secretly funny on occasion. But I think mm. it's also kind of brave to declare your project to be about these things where that most shows would rather not touch. Yeah. 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 And really, really explore them. I yeah. mean, I'm... On a granular, I've, granular level. I've been so enthralled myself in, you know, the Tawny, Ted Jr. storyline. Oh, I can't believe you haven't even mentioned that. Their, yeah. You know, their lives. And, you know, season three, I think, is really going to be the rise of Janet, uh, the, the mother. She's really going to have 
a life. I talk with my hands. So I like hit this like ten times. Uh, <laughs> you do. I'm really. I'm gonna work on that. Um, so she, she's gonna have a big a big season this year. You know. Uh, well, there's just there's, no, there's not a singular character yeah. that has been you know ignored or neglected, yeah. and and Daggett's one of the most extraordinary yeah. things about the show is that you know there are as any show progresses there are a lot of you know new arcs and new you know mm-hmm. and, and it expands and and more actors come into it and not one of the actors in in three seasons I've been disappointed to to work with not one oh, not a single one and and also i've had some uh actors that i've been friends with for years come onto the show and uh, i think we all feel very like uh we, we want to take care of people mm-hmm. once they come on and really want to make sure they feel like they got to do the work that they wanted to do in the limited time that we get to do it and it was really cool i've talked to some people and they're like um we had we had some really great guest actors this season and they were like uh I fell in love with acting again, coming on oh. the show, and I've gotten to do things that I didn't know were possible uh, in television, and I got to remember why I'm in this, and just text from really, really sweet texts of people of just like, it's been the best experience I've had acting in years. Wow. There was a there was one particular uh, scene that we were doing. I can't mention sure, exactly what we're yeah. doing because, you know, I don't want to embarrass the actress, but, but, you know, it was a scene where Daniel was, he wanted to fit in. He wanted to fit into the world and you could sense that he was very fragile and something was breaking there were you know glaciers coming undone Mm -hmm. inside him and this this lady has to bear witness to this and then you know retreat from it Mm -hmm. and we finished shooting it and she burst into tears she couldn't just the emotion of of seeing that history Mm. come out you know, yeah, and, and not being able to talk about it, right? And not being able to, you know, use uh, the, the the tools that cinema and television generally uses, but to to bear witness to the grief of a stranger, and and have to perform a response of com- great compassion with without yes. doing anything, yeah. you and know, was was too overwhelming for her, and she just she burst in tears, hugged us all, and went on her merry wow. way. But well, well, uh, it's wonderful. Lest it sounds, if anyone's listened to all of this or watched us, and and this sounds too heavy, the season does begin with a candy bar, which I feel like is a nice gift. Uh, <laughs> it does begin with a Twix bar, okay. and then uh, yeah. so it's, it begins sweet before you get to the the, the, the heavy and the sour. I think it's a smart way. You, you, you sugar know, the pill, right, and then and, it gets and it also begins, begins an hour. Later, uh, yeah. an hour after season, season. season it's amazing. Uh, two finishes. Um, we should wrap up. I, I want to thank both of you, Aiden and Abigail, for joining me. I'm a huge fan. You do wonderful work on the show. Uh, Rectify returns for third season July 9th on Sundance TV. I hope people check it out. And thanks, thanks for joining me. Thanks for your support. Me. Thank we you very really, much. really, really appreciate it. a ball. Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on Podcasts.